right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans, for another incredible edition of Tech Watch Radio. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. Brought to you by Network Providers Incorporated. Networkprovidersinc.com is the main website for the company. If you need some IT services, we are here to help. But if you want to check out the podcast, share the word, spread it with your neighbors and loved ones, nbitechguys.com is the website for that. That's nbitechguys.com. And I am Sam Bushman here with my buddy Jay Harrison to talk about tech. Hi, Jay. Hi, Sam. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, sir. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to is our slogan. We want tech to serve you, not own you is the key. Sam keeps and an man, amazing eye got- on tech. I don't know how he keeps track of everything. He must have like uh, feeds just going into his head with a USB port or something. <laughs> Elon Musk wants to make that happen. I'm a little hesitant on that. Yeah, personally. you and me both. We talked about uh, that in the previous do, episode. <laughs> but I do have watchwords that I put in Google. I do have RSS feeds that I keep tracking news with and all kind of stuff. So I do keep an eye on tech. Uh, that's one of the goals. I also have a team, by the way, that helps me keep an eye on tech over at uh, Network Providers, Inc. We keep an eye on security issues. Uh, we keep an eye on issues for fun, related to tech, all kind of things. Um, because we're a huge a team of network professionals, and security is our primary concern. And uh, you know what? To us, a good day in tech, Jay, uh, is when you don't think about us or tech at all. You yeah, just exactly. live your life. A quiet you day. use text, and you don't even know that, you know what, tech's just doing everything awesome for you because you're just, I mean, you're aware of it. It's not like you don't understand. But I'm just saying when I say you don't know, meaning cognitively, you're not thinking about tech at all. It just works. The world's great. You're doing what you do best, and tech just serves you, not owns you. When you have trouble and you got to get a hold of the tech guys, that's when it's a bad day for us. Not because we don't want to help you, but because it means that we haven't, you know, done as well as we'd like. In a perfect world, tech would be so innovative, so unique, so clear in its objectives that it could literally anticipate a problem before it arises and solve it, and you never knew it happened. Well, and to be fair— That would be a perfect day in tech, right? A lot of tech issues aren't aren't the fault of—I mean, we can do a lot of things to prevent things, but you can't prevent everything. You can't protect, prevent breakdowns. Um, you can That's mitigate right. a lot of hackers and things, but sometimes new exploits come out in zero days and things like that. And you just have to deal with them when they come up. And, and that's, you know, half the job of a tech guy also is, um, being proactive and, and reactive to the things that come up that just can't be mitigated or, uh, or a breakdown somewhere else, you know? Yeah. Hardware failures, unforeseen issues, problems with partners, people make mistakes, humans are a weak link and everything else. And so, I'm not telling you that it's achievable necessarily. I'm just telling you that a perfect world, if I was your tech guy and you hired me to take care of all your tech, in a perfect world, you would never think about tech or worry about it because any problems that were going to happen, I anticipated them and solved them for you and you never even knew about it. Now, I know that's not a realistic expectation, but that would be the perfect world for a tech guy because then I could just sit around knowing that I'm doing such a good job that, you know what? All your problems are solved. And then you go, man, you know, we don't need this guy. And you'd let me go. And then you'd have all kinds of tech problems. And you'd say, um, I think we need this guy. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so I, I joke a little bit because you always see in the movies where the tech guy is just sitting around playing video games, kind of hanging out. And it's like, do these guys even work? And the answer is sometimes we do hang out. But it isn't because we're lazy. It's because we're actually waiting for the next issue to creep up or for someone to. And in the meantime, sometimes uh, we're between projects or we can't take on another project. So it, it appears that we're sitting around. But really, it's what allows us to give you great service of breakneck speed uh, is that we try to take care of as many things as we can. We're not just playing video games for fun. However, some people are. And there's a 13-year-old kid. He's a teenager. And... Uh, 
I guess this guy's name is Willie or Willis Gibson is his name, a.k.a. Blue Scooty, I think is how you say it. Blue Scooty is what he goes by in the video gaming world. The kid's 13 years old, and he's now credited with being the first human to beat the game of Tetris. Yeah, and you kind of wonder why everybody's obsessed with this guy, because only AI has been able to beat Tetris to date. And now this kid's done it on the 40th anniversary of the video game. And uh, you say, well, how do you win this thing? The answer, you force the more than three-decade-old classic Nintendo video game into what's called the kill screen, which means uh, it just overloads its memory because your score is so high and it just crashes. I guess that's how you, you win. You get it to crash. And he's the first human to do so, and everybody's kind of marveling at this kid, and he's just become wicked good at it, I guess, Jay. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, I, I saw some video of him doing it, and you have to literally predict the next piece that's coming and know exactly where you're going to put it within seconds because he was on a level 152, I think, um, when he crashed the screen. It's when you take your score, you go from all nines, and it flips over, and it, it's a memory buffer overrun and just crashes the game. Um, now, I wonder, he is credited as the first human to do this. I wonder if he's just the first human who's got it on tape and being able to prove it if well, it hasn't happened to somebody else. But he definitely gets credit for Well, and for somebody it. else like me, by the way, because I didn't really, really understand how you won this thing, right? So for someone like me, I might play it, and it might crash, and I might be like, oh, that sucks, and then just reboot the thing and start over and not really realizing that I won because they said in the 80s when the game came out that nobody could beat it. Well, and it's because it never ended, really. It just continued on. And, in fact, if they had uh, anticipated this bug and just flipped your score or done something uh, to gracefully handle that overrun, you would have just continued on until you died. It's sort of like... Yeah, because there's really not a way to beat the game. Yeah, there is no end to Tetris. Or is there? Well, if you crash it, that's the end, I guess. Yeah, that's the whole point. Anyway, kind of an interesting phenomenon or whatever. Anyway, this guy's getting a lot of praise. I don't think he'll have a hard jo- time getting a job in IT, though. What do you think, Jay? I don't know that spending your entire childhood playing Tetris to the point that he no, did translates doesn't. to uh, an IT job it necessarily. But so. it does translate to people thinking you're a rock star, and that opens doors, and pretty soon you can become one or become something. That's true. So this guy's been given an incredible opportunity, maybe for a college education, uh, maybe to get involved in somebody somewhere IT based on his skill set. Uh, with all the hype they're giving this thing, though, I don't think it means nothing for this kid. No, and I, I certainly don't think that this is his only skill set, but I, I certainly hope that that's not the case either. Um, yeah. I hope he can leverage it into something <laughs> a lot more productive. I mean, it's cool, and it's great kudos and bragging rights, but it's not going to amount to much in the job market if you can't leverage it into something else. Yeah. Anyway, I, I kind of find it fascinating how you actually win Tetris. You just force the thing to crash. That's it. There's no other real way to win. And the other thing is it's such a popular game, and it's interesting that this comes out on the 40th year, kind of an anniversary of Tetris too, Jay. Yeah, it's been around for a long time. It's one of those games that just has almost infinite staying power, and there's so many other variations. I mean, Dr. Mario and everything else that ever, that's come since it, it basically set its own genre of gaming, that style. Uh, it's out of Russia originally, Tetris is, right? Yes, which is kind of like it never ends gaming is what you mean. Yeah, it never ends, but I mean, falling blocks into place. I mean, even Candy Crush and things that are, that we kind of think are maybe more modern games are, are all based off of that same idea. Yeah, that's right. It's like climbing a ladder to get to heaven, huh? Yeah. <laughs> 
So somebody ought to create a, a new video game called Jacob's Ladder, by the way. Just saying. Just, just throwing out ideas for people, you know. All right, Microsoft kind of acting weird, Jay. Microsoft now wants to add a new key to your keyboard, and they want to call it a pilot key. So you know you have your Windows key in your right click, have whatever that is called key. They want to have a pilot key, and they want to add it to your keyboard. They want to put it uh, to the right of your space bar between the alt and control and all that kind of stuff. You know how there's a like a right-click key there now or whatever? Yeah. They want to put this pilot key there instead. On a lot of keyboards, there's a function key right there, too. In fact, yeah. on all the keyboards that are here in the studio that I'm looking at, there's a function key next to that right-click keyboard key. Uh, and that's They're going to have the... an uphill battle on this, and I'll tell you why. Because, I mean, they did get the Windows key put on there in that right-click one early on. This was in, like, maybe the late 90s and stuff, and they were able to have enough inertia to make that happen. But right now, the the industry trend, and I I disagree with it, but it is always to smaller and smaller keyboards. They're dropping off the, the whole number pad, and they're combining the function keys with the, the other number keys or putting media keys and function keys and sometimes even turning off the function keys altogether to where you've got to use some other key to get to them. I am a fan of the bigger, older keyboards. Like, I'd love to see – I mean, on, on you, you may remember this, Sam, on some of the old Battleship keyboards – you know, you didn't just have F1 through F12, you had F1 through F24. There was another row of function keys that could do things. Um, I'd like to see more emoji keys. I'd like to bring back some of the keys that had more modifiers. Like, you know, right now you have uh, Windows, Shift, Control, and Alt, but there used to be Greek, Super, Hyper. Um, there was a, many other function keys, so you could add in other things, symbols and characters and um, things like that. The only way to access them right now is to memorize ASCII codes and, and um and Unicodes and, and hold down the alt key and put them in with a number pad. But all these new keyboards that you're seeing, these mechanical keyboards, 60 percenters and stuff that they call, none of those have numeric keypads on it. You have no way to call some of those things. Like I use, for example, almost every day, I use alt 0162, which is the cent sign. Um, if you want that instead of, you know, for dollars, the C with the slash through it. Um, there's no way to put that in on one of these smaller keyboards. So I think Microsoft's going to have an uphill battle trying to add another key to a keyboard. I like bigger keyboards. I think they should put more keys on them. I think some emoji keys and some things like that would be good, but that's not where the industry's going, I don't think. Well, it's hard to say if they'll be successful at this because, again, Microsoft is a big enough player to where they can start rolling out keyboards with it. And if they get enough mojo, you'll have a Copilot key on your keyboard. Now, Microsoft wants... 2024 to be the year of the AI PC is what's going on. When you say Windows Pilot, what does that mean? They call it Copilot. That's the AI feature of Microsoft, Jay. So this new key would pull up the autopilot anywhere you are. Um, now, they say that it marks the most significant change to the Windows PC keyboard in decades. They're so serious about this. And they want people to participate in the AI transformation more easily. And they say in uh, situations where Copilot's not available, like in different regions of the world or whatever where it's not available for right now, they say the Copilot key will launch Windows Search instead. And uh, it's going to crank at CES. That's when they're going to release it. And it, um, it's for people to see and kind of play with and touch. And then in February, keyboards are starting to rolling out with this new feature. If you need any more evidence that Microsoft is all on the AI train, Hey, 1994 is the last time they put a different key on the keyboard, uh, and it's the first time since then. That's yeah. pretty significant. And it really took the question about... is, will they win? Will they do it? Will they force it on us? 
it took about till the late nineties to two thousand before that really became ubiquitous on everything, that extra key that they added. But you know, Microsoft's already getting a little bit overboard with trying to control your search function. They've recently added into Windows this big search bar that ends up on your desktop or on your screen and you have to try to get it dismissed. You know, when you type in the taskbar to search for a uh, a, a program on your computer, it's try, it's always going out trying to search Bing and everything else, and they're just it's almost like malware or, or certainly a potentially unwanted program when you when they put it in everywhere and trying to switch all of your uh, associations to use Edge and to use Bing, and you're just constantly fighting with that. I find anyway on Microsoft computers, I'm always fighting with them trying to take over my search, and if they're going to add another key to the keyboard to do this, I mean I understand their motivation, but Golly, can they just sit back and kind of give us some space? Um, well, and in my opinion, look, they don't need to force these things on us. Um, I think they need to make these things available to us. And if they're if they're good, if they build a better mousetrap, people will Jay, adopt it. Then people will just naturally start using it and adopt it and love it. So you don't need to try to force things or try to battle for my desktop and supremacy on it and all that kind of stuff. All you got to do is build a better mousetrap. And so if they want me to use Copilot instead of, say, chat GPT or whatever, then all you got to do is make it available to me. You don't really need a new key on my keyboard, though. Just create a hotkey that can do it, okay? Um, what is this thing called? Pilot? Copilot? Okay? So create some, you know, whatever, Windows something C or whatever, and let it pop up or give me, give me an easy way to activate this thing. And people are going to use it if it's good, Jay. People hunt down chat GPT and create accounts oh, yeah. and log in and everything else. They will use this if it's easy and if it's, if it, again, and this is why I started out the conversation about tech today like I did. Um, this idea that, you know what, we have the best IT day when tech isn't really noticed. So don't make tech just frustrate me. Just make it so easy to use that I start using it and pretty soon it's like I cannot imagine my life without it. That's how the best technology evolves, Jay. Google is a great example of this, the Chrome browser. Everybody goes out, and, and literally when they get a new computer, they have to fight with Edge to get Chrome installed on there. And Chrome will beg and, and ask and try to redirect them you know, six different ways to get them to continue to use Edge instead of Chrome. But everybody goes out and installs Chrome first thing as their browser. That's where somebody built a better mousetrap. In fact, Chrome and Google built it so well, Edge is now based off Chromium on its back-end engine. So... Um, you know, that's where it's like, at some point, you guys got to give up. And not only that, but didn't Microsoft, they got nailed for all this decades ago about having too much stuff in the browser, like having the, or too much browser-based stuff in the operating system. I'm surprised that they're still pushing Edge and Bing and everything else as hard as they are, instead of just focusing on the operating system. Although I guess so many people just think that the operating system is such a commodity now, there's no money there, and all the money is in search and, and preferences and you know, selling in the browser. That's where the money is. But I think Microsoft could do it with their store if they did it right and focused on it. Well, in, in the same way I that Google Play and Apple are doing it, they're making tons of money on their stores. Well, and while people are going and downloading ChatGPT to try it and everything else, let me just try this. I'm on Windows 11, their latest OS. Oh, my God. And I'm on the search bar now. So I chose Start and I'm pressing Search, okay? Right. I put in Copilot and I hit Enter. Boom, it just loads a Bing page, and then it says go to Bing homepage, search results, Microsoft Copilot. Uh, 
leverages the power of AI and it tells me all about it. Well, if it's happening, if it's available, then why not just launch Copilot, buddy, and I'm in it? I, I find Bing to be the most unhelpful search engine I've ever used in my life. It always seems like it's they in say, the way and giving the wrong results. They say sign in to explore further. Um, and then all there is is about this and that and nothing valuable. Doesn't show me how to use it. Doesn't show me how to get it. I don't know how to find it. I'm not saying I can't research it and figure this out. I'm just trying to make a point here. And if it's not Copilot, Microsoft Edge, try now. It's in the sidebar. So go to Microsoft Edge and look for the um, Copilot in the browser sidebar. Do you have an Edge where you can pull up and see if it's in that sidebar? No, not really. And they got videos of Copilot. And they've got, I mean, all this different stuff, but it just seems okay. so. So I open Edge, and the first thing it's yeah. wanting to do is become my default browser. And the only options I have are confirm or set it later. I don't want either of those. I don't want it to. Con I don't want it to be the browser now or later. Okay, so I'm going to just exit and, and out of it. The problem that. is, we just want to try this. We don't want to commit to it. And if it's killer good, by our own choice, will we say I want this to be my default? So there's a bunch of icons if it's on the. Not good. Then we never want that to happen, right? Right. There's a bunch of icons on the right side and a bar. And if I let's see, look at I have to hover over them because there's no words. Action Center, search. Microsoft Shopping, Tools, Games, Microsoft 365, Outlook, Image Creator from Designer, Drop. Let me go all the way to the top. There's another icon. This is Copilot. Control Shift, period. So Copilot's loading and nothing. I, click, I guess I click chat. Ask me anything. Ask me anything. All right, what should I ask, Sam? I think you gotta ask how to make how edge, to beat not Tetris. Try to control my browser or something. How to anyway? I bring this all up because, folks, look. I appreciate what they're trying to do, but I think this has an element of force in it that I don't like. And I think what they need to do is build a better mousetrap. And I'm telling you right now, people will move heaven and earth to get to to things that really benefit their lives. Trust me. And so they need to have kind of a different focus. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not just trashing on Microsoft. I sell and support and service and use and encourage companies to use Microsoft products. Microsoft is not all bad. No. Let's not they make great you know, stuff. get across that it is. They make a lot of great stuff. They just make a lot most of foibles. people use it. But they make decisions that make it difficult. And I'll give you one last point. When you said that, uh, you know, you can't tell if you're online or on your computer or whatever because they're blurring that. You know, you do this and you try to search your computer for something and next thing you know it's trying to use Bing and search the web. And right. One of the things that Microsoft really needs to do is develop clarity around are they a cloud company like Google or are they a desktop company like Microsoft and what it used to be kind of thing. And if they want to blur the two, they've got to do so in not confusing ways. All right. And everybody with the cloud has got this dilemma. But you've got to find ways that does not confuse the user. Um, and so you take Microsoft Office, for example, and it's like I can use their online service and I can use their downloadable apps and I can this and that. But it's very hard to know um, how to do things. So you've got multiple versions of Skype and you've got multiple versions of this and multiple versions of that. And what they need to do is streamline their offerings in clear, concise ways, Jay, and then make it easy to use. And people will love it.
they would. There's, Microsoft, one of their biggest problems is they try to hold over stuff too much as far as for business sometimes and for old things. And, and in some ways, I, I do like that. But what I don't like about it is then they have things like Microsoft 11 or, or Windows 11, I mean, where they're just dumping good, valuable, time-tested, true um, things in their user interface as far as like how Windows works or how you get to certain menus and stuff. And they're just dumping it, and they're not even making a way back to it. Like, it, it's just, I don't know. They seem to make the wrong choices somehow. And I don't know if that's just, you know, me being older or whatever. And I don't know. I, or maybe it's just decisions in their group. I don't know. But you, you think. Well, I know this. In the, in the realm of technology serving me, not owning me, and the, and the idea that it's a great day when tech doesn't bug me, the more you move things around, the tougher it is for even seasoned professionals to use. So I look at Windows 11, and I've been on it now for like a month. And, You're buddy, I still it, struggle right? with finding where things are. No, there's certain things that I can't do that frustrate the heck out of me. Simple things. Like I used to be able to go into Windows 10, and I used to be able to choose this option that let me um, decide which columns are going to show in a folder. And so in the folders that had audio files, I would want to see the size of the file, the length of the file, what bit rate it was at, that kind of stuff, right? Right. Um, if I'm in a uh, you know a thing of PDFs, I want different columns. Yeah, you may want to whatever. know the date modified and how big it is. Okay, and, sure. and and a lot of those columns then are used to sort ascending and descending and all that kind of stuff. Well, I can't figure out for the life of me in Windows 11 how to get whatever columns I want in a given folder. That's crazy. Well, how do you do That's it? That's crazy. I don't. I don't. That's what I mean. I don't. The point isn't to trap you with the question. The point is to say whenever they move things like that, to them it's just like a simple change. <laughs> I but can't you tell you because ten of those in the whole studio, I'm surrounded by computers. I don't have a single one that's on Windows 11. Thank goodness. I, I well, I'm holding out. So these problems, though, uh, that's what I'm getting at is you've got to stop that because now tech is bugging Sam Bushman of all people, and I'm the guy that says, you know what, I love tech. It's great, but when it when it brings up roadblocks for me, it becomes a frustration, and, and I bring that up because I get that sometimes you have to move things around. It's not always smooth and easy. I get it. But, man, every single version, they change just drastic things that just get people stuck. Yeah. And okay, a lot I of it seems unnecessary. If I use the tab order on my desktop. I used to tab once, and it would be the start button. Tab again, it would be the taskbar. Tab again, it would be the um, whatever that area is by your taskbar. What's that called? The tray right. or whatever. <laughs> System tray. And then tab again, and it would be back at the desktop. Now I tab and I just get these blank things that I don't even know what they do. What bugs I mean, who me the, the heck most? Put that in the tab order. What bugs me the most about changes like that is when it feels like somebody's getting paid at UI for user interface and they just have to reinvent it just to make it new for them to kind of justify their position. And it's not better. It's not clearly better or have more advantages. It's just different for the sake of being different. And that well, bugs and in that me. it's worse. Yeah, in that it's much worse. Struggle. People struggle then to get around and different things, and things just aren't clear. And uh, Anyway, I don't mean to go on forever, and it's not a, just a complaint about Microsoft. I hope this new key is valuable. I hope their co-pilot becomes, uh, in the competition of, of AI world, really valuable for people. I hope we can take AI from being a novelty in 2023, kind of for the most part, to being a, a servant of people. So let tech serve you, not own you. Let that uh, AI chatbot, whatever it be, 
uh, whether it be a co-pilot or whatever you use, let it be valuable. Let us find a way to work it into our lives in seamless ways that make our lives faster, better, cheaper, smarter. All those things uh, is what I would advocate for out of this whole discussion. And hey, I want to know. I really want to know. Can you make Copilot beat Tetris? Or is that only something that Willis can do? Just wondering. Thanks so much. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. I'm Sam Bushman, Jay Harrison with me for Tech Watch Radio from MPITechGuys.com. Make it a great tech day, will you? Hey, thanks. <laughs>